Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Good morning, church family. Uh, I trust that you are ready to hear some preaching from the Word of God. Our ushers are going to make their way through uh, the congregation. If you did not receive a copy of this morning's notes, I would uh, just ask you to raise your hand. They'll help us out here. Thank you, men, for helping us every week. Please turn in your Bibles this morning to Job uh, chapter number 1. Job chapter number 1. Now, as you're turning to Job chapter number 1, let me, let me encourage you uh, uh, begin thinking now to stop after the morning service in the lobby. Uh, it has been uh, more than a year since we've been able to put out a prayer quilt, and we actually have five of those to do over the next five weeks. And this morning, uh, our Heartfelt Hands Ministry, they have prepared a quilt for Mrs. Janet Rogers, who's just been undergoing a, a battle with uh, uh, cancer and, and uh, just uh, really struggling. And so the prayer quilt is a gift that our church gives on behalf of our help. Heartfelt Hands Ministry, a group of ladies that loves to get together and gossip. I mean, so, um, and, and, uh, and they get together and they, uh, they make quilts and they make blankets and we have a couple of different presentations to make today. So after the service, when you go by and you tie a knot, that knot represents a prayer uh, that would, that that when that prayer uh, quilt is in the lap or on, uh, you know, wrapped around uh, someone who's going through a difficult time and they feel those, all those knots, that they represent all the prayers of, of our church family. And so it's certainly encouraging. Many of those have been given out through the years, and, uh, and it really means a lot to the person who receives that. So stop in the lobby, tie a knot there on that prayer quilt. All right, it looks like everyone has uh, their notes. Job chapter number 1. I want to preach, uh, it is a heavier message this morning. Uh, there's not a lot of room for laughter. Uh, we're going to uh, do a direct assault on a person that I absolutely hate. And I make no apologies for that. I have a strong dislike. I, I, have, um, uh, I know growing up, the mom and dad taught us that we're not supposed to hate anything. Uh, but I have a hatred for the person whose name is Satan, Lucifer, the devil. He is such a destroyer. He is, he's devastated so many families and lives. And I think that all of us should feel that way. But, but uh, we live in the United States of America. And, and of course, there's so many different ways that Hollywood and, uh, and just even in churches that we've dumbed down Satan that, that he could almost be a buddy to some people. And uh, church, the churches have been absolutely utterly destroyed by this man named Satan, this being named Satan. And so this morning, I'd like to preach a message. So I'm asking you to listen carefully. Uh, and uh, maybe all of us can be reminded. I certainly believe this morning that if you're here, you're probably not a follower of Satan or you would not be here. But maybe we could be reminded of the great dangers of Satan and how that Satan can impact our own lives. Uh, just to start with, just to break the ice a little bit, I did read a story uh, that Halloween fell on a particular Wednesday night. 
And uh, that evening, there was a local charity hosting a costume ball. And there was uh, one particular man, he, he found the perfect costume uh, representing the devil. I mean, it was so lifelike compared to what we all think Satan uh, would look like. Um, his house was not far from the ballroom where the costume party was going to take place. And so he was going to walk there and he was hoping to scare some trick-or-treaters along the way. Uh, but as he started to walk there, there was a torrential rainstorm and it began to rain. It just so happened that on his way there was a local church and it was pouring the rain down and he didn't want to get all messed up. So he slipped into uh, the church there and he sat down in the back row of the church while they're having church. The pastor's eyes bulged in disbelief that Satan had shown up for church. And uh, he couldn't even talk. And it wasn't long before his church members were looking around to see what was, uh, was going on with their pastor. He couldn't even speak. And, um, and so the church members, they started going out, exiting. Even the pastor headed for the side door. And uh, there was chaos in the church. Well, there was one older lady, uh, she was trying to get out, making a beeline for the door, and her skirt got caught on the handle uh, uh, of, of the chair there. And so the, the man uh, that was dressed as Satan or the devil, he wanted to help the lady, so he started approaching her and, and uh, to help her get uncaught from the, the handle there on the, on the chair. And as he came closer, the lady said, look, Satan, now I've been a member of this church for over 20 years, but I've really been on your side all along. Um, that's the only time we're going to laugh today. We never know what we'll do when we're confronted in reality with Satan. I assure you, Satan is not dressed in some red suit with pointy ears and a tail. Satan is an angel created as one of the most beautiful creatures of God. That being the case, Satan is not some monster on the outside. We need to be prepared to be able to hear the voice of Satan. Do you know in John 10 it says that we're to recognize the shepherd's voice? And if we're to recognize the shepherd's voice, shouldn't we also recognize the voice of Satan, the evil one? With so many voices clamoring for our attention today, uh, I, I, know, I, I know that it may be difficult to know uh, who is speaking. But this morning, with God's help, I want to give you some different ways that Satan speaks to us and, and that we can attempt to hear his voice. We have used the box it's Sunday after Sunday. When life is... Uh, when life throws a curveball at you and you can't uh, li live your life the way that you once did, the, the comfortableness, the, uh, the, the things that you used to do that you thought were okay, and now someone has said you can't do those things anymore. And, and we know that our society has dramatically changed in the last 14 months or so. This morning, I want to use Satan, though, as the instigator of the flattened box. He's vile. Wicked, he's ruthless, he's a destroyer. He is the instigator of all evil. Can a Christian be possessed by one of his demons? No. But can a Christian be influenced by him or one of his demons? Absolutely, yes. 
do we know of such in the Bible who were attacked or influenced by Satan or the devil? And yes, even Jesus himself was tempted by the devil. Throughout the word of God, we know of those who have been tempted by the devil. Do we know personally of others who have been influenced by Satan? And sadly, this morning, I say yes, this morning, I know of people who once were faithful to church. And as a result of an argument, a disagreement, a falling away, those people don't even now identify with Christ. And so what I do is I find that Satan is an instigator in at least six areas. And I beg you to listen this morning. Satan will destroy you if you're not careful. If we were to go up and down all five sections here this morning, what a dynamic attendance we have. If we were to go through all of the six sections in the balcony, there would be those who say, I know someone who's been influenced by the works of the devil He is an instigator. And with that in mind, I would like to give you six ways that he's the instigator. Instigator number one, I know that Satan is speaking when I want to trust my flesh. I know Satan is speaking when I want to trust my own flesh. We have an example, and and I'll just read these verses. You stay right there in Job chapter 1. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, we find an example when David uh, was, uh, was tempted by Satan. And that was to to number the people of Israel. Now, I don't know why David wasn't supposed to number the people of Israel other than this. God said, don't do it. And that should have been good enough. But for whatever reason, David, in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David or tempted David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. In verse 3, the Bible says that Joab, being a trusted advisor to David, he says, David, we're not supposed to do this. David says, no, I want you to do this. In verse 4, 5, and 6, Uh, They counted all the people except for the tribes of Levi and Benjamin. And they said, we're not having anything to do with this because we know that we're not supposed to do this. But in verse number 7, the Bible says this. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. Do you know that there's consequences when we listen to the devil? Both good and bad, evil. God forewarned of this danger. God had forewarned the people of this danger. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Bible says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I commanded thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten or art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. Listen to what the Bible says. And thou say in thine heart, My power... And the might of my hand hath gotten me all of this wealth. So many times we're full of pride. And we say, I did this. Look at what I did. Proverbs gives us a warning when, we, when we're uh, tempted to trust in our flesh. Uh, it says in Proverbs 29, verse 23, A man's pride shall bring him low. 
But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Paul gives a, a, a positive example in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Let me give you an application with each one of these instigations that I see in Scripture. May I just tell you, Satan is a liar, and he will want you to believe in your own flesh. Look at, hey, what you have done. We may be guilty of this sin in our health, in our money, in our Christian service. Uh, the message uh, is too long for me to give you uh, numerous illustrations, but may I just say... Uh, this morning, I could give you an illustration of a man uh, back in my previous life in South Carolina who trusted in his wealth and who believed that the reason that he was the way he was is because of, uh, of himself, that he was the one that caused all of this wealth in his family until the day he got cancer and he lost it all. Proverbs gives us a warning. Paul gives us the positive example. Anytime I'm tempted to lean on the flesh instead of upon God, I may be sure that Satan is speaking. There was a small boy. Uh, he was on vacation with his family, and they visited the Grand Canyon. Do you know just this week, I, I heard of two people who, who live in the state of Arizona, go to this church, are seated here this morning, and they've never been to the Grand Canyon. I cannot believe that. How many of you have never been to the Grand Canyon? That, wow. I'm going to chase a rabbit tree. No, no, okay. <laughs> I cannot believe that. We have one of the wonders of the world in our own state and it's just five hours away, and you have not seen the Grand Canyon. But then you can't even appreciate my illustration this morning. A small boy was with his family. They visited the Grand Canyon. They had a guide, and the, the, the guide was telling the family about all the wonders of the Great Canyon, uh, of the Grand Canyon. And it was amazing. And, and the boy's parents, uh, they marveled, and they gazed with this, at this amazingly beautiful thing that you don't even know about. And they were gazing, and, and the guide said this, it's one mile from where we are to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And uh, they turned around to leave and uh, head back to the car, and the boy, he spit over the rim of the Grand Canyon. And as he was walking back to the car, he was so smug and proud of himself, he said, today I spit a mile. Many people, they focus on only what they can do, and, and they miss the grandeur that's all about them. May I just tell you, God has put so much grandeur all about us, but yet Satan desires to snatch it away, focusing on you, what you can do. Instigator number two, and these, this is where we come to the book of Job. Satan, when I think of Satan, I think of Satan. I know Satan is speaking when I want to blame God. I know Satan is speaking when I want to blame God. To find this example, we look at one of the greatest examples of suffering in all of the Bible through the life of a man by the name of Job. And so let's do something different this morning. I know you're comfortable, but that's okay. Let's stand together as we read in a responsive reading the first 16 verses of Job chapter number 1. 
Job chapter number 1. I'll read the odd verses. You read the even verses. But I want us to see if we can discover uh, in our reading who blamed God. Why were they blaming God? Again, we'll read down to verse 16. You read the even verses. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect or, or mature. He was, he was doing right. He was upright. One that feared God and eschewed evil. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 of she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Verse number six again, help me, who came among them? And the Lord said unto Satan, when, sir, why, why are you here? Why did you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it, Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Okay, uh, let me stop here. This, is, this really is a, a, a fascinating verse. Um, so, who's having this conversation? Satan and God. All right, so who blessed Job? God has blessed Job, right? The reason Job has everything that he has is identified by Satan as you have blessed Job. Verse 11, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Just so you have a picture here, however it happens, uh, we'll be able to see it whenever we get to heaven sometime. But God and Satan are having this conversation. Um, uh, so uh, uh, this takes place somewhere, either right here on earth or right in the heavens. We're not 100% sure, but we know that there is a conversation. There is a meeting between the God of the universe and Satan. And God is given a very clear instruction or permission for Satan. And Satan says, okay. Now I am leaving. Verse number 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. 
Notice verse 16. You just read it. The fire of who? Is fallen from heaven. Whenever there's a tragedy, often the first person we blame is? Was this servant wrong? 100% wrong. And I tell you this morning that oftentimes Satan as the instigator is he wants you to blame God when something doesn't work out. Thank you. you. may be seated. It's a lengthy story. What a story. We find a very subtle attack on God in that last verse that you just read. And we all, we all know people. We say something like this, that, uh, that they're having trials or troubles like Job. Uh, it's, just, it's just amazing that, uh, that people want to uh, blame God when there's something that happens. I, I don't know really anyone who has had it as bad as Job. I know some people have had it pretty rough here on earth. But, but when I studied the life of Job, he lost everything that he had. He lost his children. He lost, his, he lost his, his, all of his wealth, all of his animals. He lost his health. Uh, Job had it really rough. And I, I don't know of anyone that uh, has had it rougher than Job. But there's... One person who never blamed God. Who was that? Job. We sometimes blame our troubles and our difficulties and our family uh, uh, struggles and our discouragements. Uh, we blame them on God. Where is God? In verse 16, a servant blamed the fire on God. Now, I do find in Scripture that fire is, is indeed often from God. So let's, be, uh, the, let's, let's identify what Scripture says. Sodom and Gomorrah, they were destroyed with fire. God sent fire down, confirming the ministry of Moses and Aaron. God sent fire to confirm Elijah before the prophets of Baal. God destroyed the captain of 50 and his 50 men twice at the word of Elijah. So yes, there are examples in the Bible where fire was sent down from heaven by God. But I also find that Satan has the ability to bring fire down from heaven. For the Bible says in Revelation 13, and verse number 13, And he, the beast of the land, doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. So here's my application. When we are tempted to blame God, Satan is the one who's speaking to you. When we are tempted to blame God, Satan is speaking to me. Or to you. Instigator number three, I know Satan is speaking. And uh, I'd like, before I give you this one, uh, well, the guy's already ahead of me. Hmm. Before I give you this one again, may I just say this one of all six is the easiest one for us to do. This is the one where often we have done. You've already seen it. And that's when Satan is speaking when I am tempted to quit on God. Satan is tempted. Uh, Satan tempts us. He speaks to us when I just want to quit. I want to throw in the towel. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not reading my Bible anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to give back to God anymore. And so I'm just tempted to quit on God. May I tell you, 100% of the time, every single time that happens, Satan is tempting and speaking to you to quit. Let's go back to the life of Job for a few minutes. 
there are several remarkable thoughts from Scripture when considering Job. Turn over to Job chapter 2, if you don't mind, if you're still there in Job. Um, here's what I see. Blaming God leads to quitting on God. Now, we just saw uh, as Satan as instigator number two is that when something happens in your life, there's a temptation to blame God. Well, when I blame God, then the next step is I quit on God. Satan knows this thought as well. In Job chapter 2, verse 3, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity. And although thou movest me uh, against uh, him to destroy him without a cause. May I just say you, sometimes Satan's going to come after you, and he doesn't have a purpose other than to try to destroy you to get you to quit on God. Drop down to verse 7 of chapter 2. So when Satan, uh, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. Notice Job in verse 10. This is amazing. But Job said unto his wife, Thou speakest as one of those foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all of this did not Job sin with his lips. He is unusual. And I would say... He would be in the great small minority of people in their responses to hardship. It doesn't take much for us. Blame God. Well, if that's the way God is, I'm going to quit on him. May I just say this morning, if we quit, we've confirmed Satan's accusations. If we quit... We've confirmed Satan's accusations. Job did not sin. He did not quit on God. And sometimes it only takes a crossword from another Christian for a person to quit on God. Job lost all of his physical possessions. He lost his family. He lost his health. And yet he refused to quit on God. Job is a positive example here in Job chapter 2 and verse 10. Again, he says, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. God does not motivate us to quit his service. God will never, ever lead you to quit. God never, ever will lead you to quit. But yet, we all know someone who quits. He may change the servant's duties and locations from time to time, but God will never encourage us to quit ministering for him. God will never do that. I want to implore you this morning, if you know someone who's blamed God and someone who's quit on God, you need to point them back to God because you know what they're testifying? Of how strong Satan is. And we all know someone like that. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never, ever gives us permission to quit. Now, let me 
talk to young families here this morning. And we have a lot of families who have children still at home. Do you know that Satan is an instigator when it comes to your home? I know Satan is speaking when I'm tempted to experiment with the occult. I know that Satan is speaking when I'm tempted to experiment with the occult. There has been an explosion of internet activity and tarot card readings and TV shows and movies that entice one to dabble with satanic things because it's fun. There's laughter. It's not really that, that bad. Parents, do you know what your children are watching? Do you know what your children are playing? I would like to say this with as much authority as I can as a servant of the Lord, as a pastor of a church, as a leader of Tucson Baptist Church. May you, would you please listen? May you please heed this call? Do not mess around with the things of Satan. Do not mess around with the things of Satan. He will snatch away the heart and mind of your child. He is real. He is not pretend. He does not wear a red suit with horns that are scary. He is a destroyer. And he has captured the hearts and minds of many of a child and teenager because of the explosion of social media and internet activity. God commands that we have no contact with the occult. If you do not believe that, read Deuteronomy chapter number 18. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or uses the uh, divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. I encourage you there in your notes to write down Deuteronomy 18 and verse number 12. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of those abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. For these nations which thou shalt possess hearkened unto the observers of times and unto diviners. But as for me, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee so to do. Satan is very, very religious. What? Satan's very religious. There's not a single person here this morning that knows more about the Bible than Satan. Not a one. The person who's memorized 25% of the Bible, Satan knows more. The person who has preached, Pastor Howard and I preached together for 60-some years, Satan, of all of our combined knowledge, Satan is smarter Satan is very, very religious. He is so happy with all the churches who never mentioned the Bible, Jesus, or the gospel message in a Sunday morning service. He's one. And when people can come to church and they can hear uh, some little sermon head, and they can hear something that, that doesn't point people to Jesus Christ, Satan is happy. He's one. People are following him. False religions, they attribute their worship to Satan. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 20, it says, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Paul said this, stay away from the things of the devil. I am so puzzled 
by Christians who dabble with the things of the occult. I don't understand it. I do not understand why we would allow our children to watch things that are from the devil. Oh, come on, pastor. It's just cute, funny things. Do you know the devil can transform himself into an angel of light? The devil can make all of those shows that have sorcery and the things of the cult look fun for your family. And you say, do you know what? My children, they're so good. I just put them down there on the, in, in, in front of the TV and I could get so much done around my house while they're watching. Why would one who worships the true God consult a false God? You're here this morning because you deliberately came to Tucson Baptist Church. You knew that the word of God was going to be preached. You knew that the songs were going to be about Jesus Christ. And you still came anyway. I would like to ask you a very serious question. If you say, I want to worship the true God, then why do we consult a false God by allowing the filth and the garbage out of Hollywood to come into our homes? Isaiah 8 Verse 19 says, and when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, shall not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? Now you listen to me this morning. The occult is real. Demonic spirits are real. Television has made this exciting. I say it is dangerous. For the believer, I assure you, there's no real profit in dabbling in the occult. There is nothing to be gained by dabbling in the occult. There's nothing to be gained by allowing your children to watch that except for the devil, Satan, Lucifer, to destroy your children and to build a wall around the things of God. Isaiah 47 and verse 13 says, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counselors. Now let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, pro, pro, I, pro, I can't say it, prognosticators. My tongue is suddenly tied. Uh, stand up and save thee from these things that thou shalt come upon thee. Um, may I just tell you, Isaiah is giving a warning. He gives a warning. Stay away. Stay away from these things. I give you the strongest warning that I can as a herald, a watchman, a sheepdog, as a pastor. Those who tamper with the occult will incur the wrath of God. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible says. The Bible says this in 1 Chronicles 10 and verse 13. So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord. Even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. In other words, uh, Saul inquired of the devil, and he died. You say, oh, that's Old Testament. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him, him only shalt thou serve. I choose to serve my Lord and Savior. Why? He gave his life for me. What has the devil or Satan ever done for you 
that helped you? What has Satan ever done for you that built you up? What has Satan ever done that helped unify and make your family so good? What has Satan ever done but give disease and sin and sickness and death and destruction? I share with you a verse that should make you shake and quiver. And I ask you to listen carefully to what the Word of God says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all, our, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You might get away with your tarot cards and your astrology and watching all the sorcery that's available out there on your television, you might get away with it in this life, but the Bible says very clearly that those who do so shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If I'm tempted to read my horoscope, call a psychic line, have my tarot cards read, then I know Satan is speaking. I should not allow myself or my family to have a steady diet of television programs containing magic and witchcraft. These are merely Satan's kindergarten. He's exposing your children and your family to death and destruction. Spiritualism is the belief that spirits of the dead can communicate with the living. And this belief exists in various forms throughout the world. And today there are actually shows, and you have watched them, where the whole show is built around the premise that I'm going to call up and, 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 and real TV and, and made-for-TV specials that we're going to call to speak to the spirits of the dead. May I just tell you, that's not of God. You ought to turn your TV off so fast that it breaks the TV. Stay away from it. Instigator number five, I know Satan is speaking when I'm tempted to be silent about the cross. I know Satan is speaking when I'm tempted to be silent about the cross. In Matthew chapter 16, the word of God says, From that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And he raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. May I just tell you, there are some of you that when you go to the workplace, speaking of the things of God, speaking of the cross that Jesus died upon, you would never do it. If you're ashamed to speak about the cross... Satan has tempted you. Too many times it's easy to swallow our tongue or get silent with our voice regarding the greatest story that's ever been told on our behalf. And I remind you this morning that the cross is the center of God's program. 
It's the center of God's program. In fact, Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Hallelujah! devil never did that for you. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, the Bible says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that was the atonement for my soul. Hebrews 9, verse 22, and almost all things uh, are, are, the, uh, are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. Satan has never shed a drop of blood for you. But somehow in our boxcar mentality, I have this train, and there's the engine. And there's the church boxcar, and there's the boxcar of entertainment. And within this boxcar of entertainment, then I can go ahead and watch whatever I want to. And then there's this boxcar of devotions. Whenever I want to have my devotions, I can. But none of those boxcars uh, intertwine. May I just tell you that, that Jesus Christ, he is the one who intertwines with every aspect of our life. Why would I allow myself to be tempted with the things of Satan? May I say to you, the cross should be our focus. The cross should be our focus. Not social programs and health and wealth and history and sports and hobbies. May I just say, the cross should be our focus. Finally, this morning, as Satan is an instigator, I know Satan is speaking when I am tempted to deny Christ. I know that Satan is speaking when I am tempted to deny him. I'm mortified to say this morning that right here in Tucson, I can name the names of men and women and college students who used to identify with Christ, but today they would, by their very life and words, deny him. It breaks my heart because I know hell is real. Do you believe hell is real? I'm tempted by Satan himself when I think about denying him. Listen to this amazing portion of Scripture in Luke chapter 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast, before that shalt uh, thrice deny that thou knowest me. In other words, before that big old rooster's going to crow three times, you're going to deny me. No, Lord, I'll never do that. Well, how do I deny him? I deny him with my words. Peter did this. I deny him with my words. Just like Peter, there are those who distance themselves with their words in the workplace setting, at the family reunion, out shopping, out when I'm about with other people, and, and you know what? And no church people are around. Pastor Armstrong's not around. Pastor Howard's not around. One of the other pastors is not around. And so I can deny that I ever go to that church. Remember what Peter's, remember Peter's denial? In Peter's denial, here's what happened. I, I don't know him. 
I, don't ha- I didn't hang out with him. We, we deny him with, I, I, nah, ah, church, hey, if, it, if it works in my schedule, I'll do it. Um, not, but, you know, it, it's optional. Uh, and it gets down to someone actually confronts you. Are, are you one of those Christians? And we look around and say, nah, uh, not really. It just, it just goes down a downward spiral with people who deny him. I deny him with my words, but I also deny him with my walk. I deny him with my walk. Your actions always speak louder than your words. Always. Your actions always speak louder than your words. In Mark chapter 7, he answered and said to them, Well, uh, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, their actions and the way they live their life, it doesn't match up with their lips. And Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In other words, you say, Yes, hey, I am a Christian, but you live however you want to live. 1 John chapter 2, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. I wonder this morning, does your walk and your talk match? But is it also one that everyone would know that you are a disciple of Christ? I love him. He gave his life for me. I'm not ashamed of that. I'll tell anyone that. So let me give you six very quick concluding thoughts that can help you take this message, digest it, use it uh, this coming week. Let me just remind you that Satan has no love for mankind. Or we could personalize this. Satan has no love for you. Satan has no love. He wishes to destroy the Jew and the Christian and ultimately mankind. There is no loyalty among the forces of darkness. May I just tell you, Satan does not love you. Jesus does. Number two, Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren. Straight from the scripture. He constantly hurls accusations against the saints toward God. And we should be aware of this process. And with God's help, we should thwart it. We should understand that Satan is always taking those who are right with the Lord. And he's trying to say, listen, if you would allow me to put my hands on Job, I'll show you that Job will will curse you. And Satan does that to you. He says, I'll take John, and I'll take Joe, and I'll take Susie, and I'll take Sally. If you'll let me have at them, they're going to curse you. He's always accusing. Number three, Satan is never honest with us when he presents himself. Satan is never honest with us when he presents himself. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if he is administered also be transformed as the minister of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. May I just tell you, the Bible reminds us, Jesus said this, that in the church there will be people that enter as a wolf wearing sheep's clothing. They look like a sheep. But inside, they're just a ravenous wolf seeing what they can do to devour. God has never lied to us. Satan always does. I just want to ask you a blunt question. Why do we listen to Satan? God never has lied to you. Satan always does. He is a liar. 
He wants to destroy you. Number four, Satan wants you to relax. Satan wants you to relax. One of the ways that we, that we may fight, fight Satan is by knowing his voice, but we must also recognize his plan. In, in, in fact, Peter said this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Amen. Peter said that. He said, beware. Satan wants us to relax. May I just tell you what Satan wants you to do? Here's what Satan wants you to do. Exactly what you're doing right now. Be comfortable. Air conditioning must be set at 74. It feels really good in here. I'll get up in a few minutes and we'll go eat. We'll go to some restaurant. We'll eat, eat a good meal. There'll be some that'll find something to say about the message. Most will never even think about this message again. Most will never think about this message again. Why? Why would, sorry for those right there, sorry. Why, why would Pastor Armstrong spend hours of study and prayer to prepare some message that nine out of every ten of you will never think about again when you leave? I'm just trying. I am trying. To get you from relaxing. I'm trying to help you put up a guard. I'm trying to help you realize that Satan is pretty much one. There's only a remnant. There's only a small number of people left that believe what we're talking about today. Would you hear my heart for just a moment? Literally, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So everyone can see me here. Literally, tomorrow. Would you listen to me? Tomorrow. Less than 24 hours from right now, you have already worked two or three hours. And you have used the world's worst language. Oh, forget about tomorrow. This afternoon, your children is going to do something that frustrates the fire out of you, and that word's going to slip out. Read my Bible? Why would I read my Bible? I went to church. It's, it's good for, it's good for till next Sunday. Please understand the severity of what I'm saying is Satan has caused all of us to relax and get comfortable, drop our guard. And we allow the world's worst pollution to come into our homes. And as long as we're not fighting, it's okay. 
as long as I get a paycheck Friday, it's okay. As long as I can pull up on my app on the phone and say, yep, there's still money in the bank. They still take my credit card. It's all good. Hey, the doctor gave me a clean bill of health. It's all good. Relax. We have relaxed to the point that Satan in his smugness says, I got him. I won. I won. I won. It should grieve all of us that that's come to that point. Satan wants you to relax. Number five, Satan forgets, though, the end. Satan forgets the end. One day, hey, uh, we understand that there's going to be a great big battle. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says this, And I heard a voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. May I just tell you, there's coming a day when you will know Satan is defeated and destroyed. <laughs> Don't say amen just yet. I didn't finish my sentence. Will that be from heaven or hell that you know that? Will it be from heaven or hell that you see Satan defeated? Because for some of you, he snatched away your faith and it's not real. So that leads me to the final thought. Which for all of us is the most important. And that is this. Satan does not want you to be prepared. Satan does not want you to be prepared. We must be aware of the voice of Satan. We've got to arm ourselves against him. We've got to flee from his suggestions. We have the power to do this in Christ. And prepare now for the fight that is coming. And surely, my friend, we know that we must be prepared for the fight. We are in a battle. So put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil or the schemes of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against all spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Ephesians 4 verse 4 says this, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Martin Luther, he gave a similar testimony when he said this, I have held many things in my hands, and I've lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. D.L. Moody said, trust in yourself and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in your friends and they will die and leave you. Trust in reputation and some slanderous tongue may blast it. But trust in God and you're never to be confounded in time or eternity. May I just tell you that I'm like you. It's so easy. Spiritual wickedness in high places. I can't see it. The Bible even says I can't see all that spiritual wickedness. The Bible says that, that there's a battle going on in, in, in a space in, in a, in a, that I cannot see. I can't comprehend. 
I can't see it. But I know it's real. I choose to stand. Would anyone join me this morning?